Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, this is Robert Smigel with Canada's podcast, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in British Columbia. Today, our guest is Serge Billen, born and raised in East Vancouver, BC. Serge is the CEO and co-founder of Inspired Cannabis. Equipped with a diverse entrepreneurial background, Serge is a serial entrepreneur. Serge, welcome to Canada's podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to share your entrepreneurial journey with all our listeners. Robert, appreciate the opportunity to uh, connect here. It's good. I'm Great. It's nice talking to a local Vancouverite. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your current business. So give us uh, you know, your background and then how you got into the cannabis cannabis business. Yeah. You know, so as you indicate, I'm a born bred Vancouverite. I spent a little time in Toronto when I was a banker. So I uh, progressed uh, out of high school, got myself a job in the mail department of a bank, moved my way up, got my accounting degree, ended up at the vice president level uh, at some point. But I was, and so I was always a business banker lending to businesses. And so I wanted to be on this side of the desk. So in 2005, I opened my first pharmacy and subsequent years, I opened up another six more. And then in 2019, we started looking at the retail cannabis business, myself and my main partner, Jesse Dummy, uh, and the two of us, and along with others now, have built up the Inspired Cannabis. We have 16 stores across the country. Great. Now, why an entrepreneur? How did you get into the mindset of being an employee to, to entrepreneur? How that, What's that look like? Yeah, it might be in your DNA. And, you know, again, so I loved my banking career. And uh, so, and I did it very well. And it, it was a progressive career. But I always felt uh, I wanted to be out. I didn't want to be reporting to the man. And it actually might be a, a long time ago. Authority is a little harder thing for me. Uh, so I grew up in a single parent house. My mom had two jobs. She wasn't around. Dad wasn't around. So no authority. So maybe I wanted to be my own guy. But as that business banker, I dealt with a lot of successful entrepreneurs and I liked their messaging. I liked how they were able to run their own lives, supposedly control their own time and business. Turns out you can't do that neither, but. Yeah. Okay. What job or experience helped you the most, both uh, for work where you currently do, where your role as an entrepreneur? So job experience, what helped you make that transition uh, for on-the-job experience, I guess, in accounting would be the, the natural yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, foundational financial piece of uh, having that foundation financial, understanding it. To me, uh, there's a lot of direction you can get out of the financial statements, what you're doing in sales, what your costs are, what your wages are. So if you're able to read that stuff well, it helps direct you on what you should be tacking, tackling next stuff like that, focusing in on. So uh, the financial accounting side was that piece. And then with regards to Inspired Cannabis, where you know our businesses, uh, that's where we're focusing a lot of our time. Prior to that was the pharmacies. And so again, working with Pharmacies for that 15 years, working in community, working with employees, direct stuff like that, that really helped uh, this sort of this last piece of our business. Okay. Inspired Cannabis, in terms of starting this company, did you need financing and how do you currently make money in the business now? Yeah. So um, so I had chased a, a cousin-in-law of mine, Jesse, about uh, let's look at this cannabis 
file this opportunity in 2019. And uh, so we had a meeting in uh, my backyard and I invited about 15 to 20 some odd friends. And we had this vision. We'd go out and build two, three, four cannabis stores. Likely only in the lower mainland. But our first uh, store actually ended up in Courtney on the island where somebody took us. And our third store ended up in Nanaimo where somebody had taken us in that backyard. So we had offered a reward of uh, to find sites. If we closed on that deal, we will pay you a reward. With regards to the financing piece of it, Jesse and I put in uh, a fair amount of personal money. And then we also raised uh, matching, essentially, friends and family. So I don't know if you want to know the dollars or not. No, that's okay. Yeah, just to yeah. uh, family and friends and your own. Your own. And our own. Yeah, so we capitalized it. We put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. We spoke to our friends and family, told them our vision, and this is what we think we could do. And uh, they came along for the ride. Okay, cannabis and the industry. One piece of knowledge or information about your industry that you can share that would benefit our listeners. Something unique or different about, say, pharmacy compared to cannabis or anything about the yeah. industry in general you can yeah. share. Yeah, cannabis is a new industry, new formation. And in that, so there isn't the set roadway, pathway to follow. Again, literally, so, and everybody believed in 2018 and 2019, and maybe perhaps 2020, this was going to be a gold rush, and everybody was going to get rich. So, but that pathway is un, uh, it's uncharted. And so really, you needed to adapt to it. And it has not been an uh, easy road for many people. Many people who got in early, that they thought we're all going to get rich. Because when you opened up the first store in Vancouver, you actually had a lot of sales. But after store number 47 and 48 and 60 opened up, your sales went from that level down to that level. So, so it hasn't been an easy ride. And it is a lot more... Um, entrepreneurial than the pharmacy side, which has been around for 100 years. Right. What are you most proud of in terms of the work you do in this industry? Have you done anything that kind of goes, hey, we're proud of this as a company. We've done this differently or um, we've stood out in a certain way. Anything that uh, you can say that you're proud of? Uh, Yeah, two things, I guess. One is uh, culture. And uh, cannabis has its own culture. And cannabis, for me, is about creativity and about community. And so us as an organization, uh, we, we're, we're, we're very in touch with our uh, employees in Storeland. We visit them regularly. I've got one just down the street from my house here. People know me by name. So we're very connected. And that culture of uh, inclusivity of a community, it's real. So we subscribe to that. And then with regards to uh, sort of from a business side, we are operating profitably. And uh, we've achieved that in the face of everybody was chasing it. It got overbuilt. And the economics don't make as much sense as previously. But we stayed on point And we are operating profitably. So we've done a great job in growing our company, 16 stores, uh, and profitably on sound financial uh, base. So I'm happy about both those things. Good. Talking to uh, younger entrepreneurs, what advice would you give to someone starting out as an entrepreneur? If they came up to you and asked you at a party or social event, said, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur like you. If you could give them something, a key piece of advice or tell them some words of wisdom, what would that be? Yeah. You know, I uh, I compare uh, entrepreneurship a little bit to uh, the explorers of the old days. 
those guys who are coming to Champlain's and Jean Cabot's to Canada, stuff like that, the things that they have to do to go through, you just don't expect to. And so ultimately, it's going to take you two times as long. It's going to cost you twice as much. And uh, stay on point on your vision because we will uh, sway off sort of thing. What was your vision? Take it back to that. And then it's about the tenacity of picking yourself up off the ground again. Uh, you know, I hope that you're making progress along this pathway. And then you pick yourself up off the ground again and again and again and again. And uh, you stay on point. Right. What is the long-term vision of your company? Do you see the company expanding into other areas or beyond BC or even Canada? Yeah. So <clears throat> we're actually in the process of uh, um, we're looking at acquisitions now. So it's the same thing. This industry, everybody was chasing after the first uh, flag out there, and now we're in a different place. The forecast is actually 25 to 35% of retail cannabis stores in Canada will likely close over this coming 12 to 18 months. So it's a changed market now. So for us as a company, in some of those closures, some businesses, companies may have four stores. Two of them might be profitable. Two of them aren't. So we're looking at those types of acquisitions now. So we, uh, we're forecasting we may have as many stores as... Uh, 30 to 40 by the end of this year and Good. and a large parts through acquisition. Okay. Let's talk about British Columbia. What are the biggest benefits for you being an entrepreneur in BC? Can you share some of the good points about our uh, operating here, but also give us some of the challenges that you've had along the way. You know, BC is a beautiful place, great place to work and live, but you know, there are some challenges just starting a business here. So can you give me both sides? Yeah. So firstly, I think um, living here, you know, your neighborhoods. You know your markets, and you so you understand that. So again, I would always suggest that ideally you play in the space that you know better than going afar, because that's going to add a whole another complexity. So for us to operate in BC, we're familiar with this marketplace. So that's a, a one. Two is um, the BC government um, has restricted the number of uh, stores you could open as one company, as one franchise within BC to the numbers eight, where the other provinces are 35 or 75. So they've they've maintained this restriction. So we only have seven stores in BC right now, and our others are in Saskatchewan and in Ontario. Okay, that's how we get to 16. So back to our seven. So we've grown this in an orderly basis. And the BC government putting that little bit of barrier in place, I uh, wasn't really on side initially, but it really has allowed the BC operators to grow their business without the Ontarians, the big publicly traded companies coming in here and taking all the market stuff like that. So, so it's been kind of good on that side. They've restricted that free market, which again, I'm, you know, I'm a capitalist, but as a new industry, it needs a little handholding. So I think that's good. The, the challenges now is it's always, always is a sort of regulatory. And so as an example, on the regulatory side is, uh, the government holds us to, we need to keep our windows covered. So, you know, as a consumer, you're walking by, you can't see our wares. You can't see like my Club Monaco clothing uh, display, stuff like that. So what is it behind the frosted windows? And we literally need to frost them. So that's that that inhibits us. That's a challenge for us. Um, this eight cap now in this stage of our industry's development and as a company, so we're starting to, feel that uh, ceiling 
And I hope that uh, we'll, we'll see some changes on that side. Okay. Canada, as you know, is all about immigration. A lot of people coming here from all over the world, starting businesses. So this next question, I want you to speak to them. If you were to start all over again, you just moved to British Columbia, not knowing what you know now, how would you go about gaining a foothold in the marketplace? What would you do? Some of the tactics and things that you would do uh, differently, or would you do uh, that work for you starting a business? Yeah. Okay. So, so for me, uh, my normal pathway would be is go get a job, you know, understand, adapt to this country and these changes, things like that. And then generally, I believe if uh, people are doing well in there uh, as an employee, if you're doing well, if you're in sort of a top performer type of basis, then likely that will translate into entrepreneurship. So but sometimes okay. there might be a might be a cultural fit or something might not come into play. But generally, you do well there. You can do well outside. And then with regards to starting a business, uh, find something that resonates with you. Uh, and what, what, what's that resonation? And I'll tell you about the pharmacy side and a little bit about the cannabis side. And because I think the guy, I can't go and run medical clinics. It's not my gig. I can't be running a podcast. It's not my thing. I cannot be running an internet business. It's not my thing. So again, when I looked at the, when I looked at uh, the pharmacy business, I looked at it as from a business perspective for me, small footprint, small employee base, their uh, license, their train, their experience. That was easy for me to kind of get in to work with these people uh, to start delivering services and prescriptions. And so on the cannabis side, I'm a kid who's from the 70s. And so I kind of grew up with cannabis a little bit. And so as a as a product, it resonates with me. I like cannabis and I like the culture of it and I like the uh, accessories I like all of it so follow your heart follow follow your passion you try to stick me in a restaurant mm, it's not my thing what routines do you have in place to start your day is there anything that you do to most motivates you to get your day started entrepreneurs tend to be very routine oriented uh very morning people is there anything that you follow discipline or you just get up and go yeah well, we don't sleep so at sleeping, uh, so we do sleep, uh, but it's very interrupted. Just uh, we're kind of going all the time, stuff like that, between three or four of us. So I can wake up at three in the morning and there's already the chatter going with my business partners. So we're on it. By six or seven, I'll have my coffee. So I do have my routine. I have my coffee. I have my tea. I have my yogurt. And I have my coffee. And in the meantime, I'm answering texts. And then by uh, 8.30, I'm at my desk. And it's usually uh, there's usually three or four meetings on the go. And then there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of emails and ongoing texting and calling, stuff like that. So I do a little bit of quiet time in between. And then I'm at the desk and I'm here till normally uh, till five or six. And then I take a break. And then, uh, you know, I'm on that uh, phone all the time. It's a little bit too much. It really has uh, sucked me in a bit too much. I need a better balance. I am better balanced now than I was 18 months ago. Entrepreneurs are avid readers. Um, do you have any business books that you've read or anything along your entrepreneurial journey that resonated with you as far as books that you can relay over to any entrepreneurs? Yeah. You know, I, uh, so I was an avid reader, uh, fiction. I had a book at my bedside for all of my life in 2018, uh, November, right after legalization, which postponed my start in this business, I had a stroke. Uh, 
since that stroke, I haven't been able to sit down with a book. So, uh, and that was always fiction. And I still can't sit down really and spend that time with a book sort of thing. On the nonfiction business books, my wife is an avid reader, an avid reader of business books. And she distills down Cole's notes that we have at the dinner table. We're talking about whatever that subject is. She relays it. And that she's my Cole's note lady. Uh, kind of the Howard Stern effect where they, uh, they speak to him, tell him exactly what's going on. And he ingests it all. So good. Okay. We talked a bit about work-life balance. British Columbia is a very beautiful place. How do you relax and what are your favorite activities to do in BC? Yeah, so we were just in uh, Whistler as a family uh, this past uh, nice. <clears throat> week. We were there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's very, very lovely. So mm-hmm. I love to ski. Uh, Whistler, I love. Uh, it really gets me off the grid also there when I go there. So I love uh, I love the skiing piece. Um, I love biking. And it's sort of city biking. We're, we live in Kitsilano, a very beautiful neighborhood in Vancouver near the seawall. So I do a lot of sort of riding my bike around there. Not, not, I'm not a trail rider. So I love, I love those two pieces. And then I, uh, I love uh, company and I love my friends and family. And so spend time with them. And so with my buddies, uh, usually once a week, we're sort of socializing around a couple of beers, stuff like that. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you like to do for a profession? If, if you weren't was- doing. If you weren't doing what you do now, the cannabis yep. industry, what would you do? be doing for a profession? If there's something else that you could see yourself doing uh, that is not related to your industry, completely different, what would yep. it be? If you had to pick something, someone said, yeah, so, traveler, whatever that may be. It, it, ideally, and I heard it from uh, one of my mentors in the past, uh, Mark Gallagher, who used to be a CEO of uh, a large cannabis retail chain. No pen to paper. So I sort of like to get away from pen to paper. I don't like doing business plans, all this stuff myself. So, but if I could be involved in something, it'd be on the tech side. So like this uh, chat GPT, the stuff that Elon Musk is uh, doing, like he's uh, he's uh, he's quite a hero for me, stuff like that. So to follow something along that pathway where I could contribute my energy, my creativity, uh, Without a lot of pen to paper, that's what I would love to do. So you're a think outside the box kind of guy. Yeah, that's how you look at everything. I mean, problem yeah. solver, different different approach. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah. So very much, and uh, sometimes I'm bursting out of my uh, skin kind of concept stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my partners and employees sometimes have had some challenges. Okay, trying to kind of keep this contained. Uh, but very much outside the box. Let's go. Let's push. Uh, and then, it, and then it's a marriage of uh, that's a good thing. Like me and my partners, they've tempered me, and then I'll pass them the ball, and then they run with it, and we accomplish that touchdown stuff like that. And then, so same as our team, our senior management team on the cannabis side. Have any in your career? Have any other entrepreneurs or mentors? Anyone given you advice that really resonated with you that you could pass on to other entrepreneurs throughout Canada? Yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> so on the mentor side, so I haven't had any really mentors. We had Mark Gallagher as an advisor when we started on this cannabis. And I really enjoyed his insights because he had traveled this road for a year or two before us. And so he had built up a chain with 35 stores back then. So that was like fantastic. So if anybody 
I may have had as a mentor, that may have been may, may have been it. Otherwise, again, back to it, I'd grown up in a single parent place, authority. I never I never had a relationship where with mom getting that direct guidance. And then so same as a career, I kind of did it on my own. So I never kind of latched on to a mentor uh, that was not my programming, that wasn't in my DNA from a young age. So I didn't mm-hmm. follow that sort of normal path. And that said, I do welcome some people to uh, line me up. Let's spend a little time. And I will give you my perspective, an hour a month, uh, happy to share sort of thing. So if I could have a mentor-mentee relationship, uh, uh, I, I welcome that. It hasn't it hasn't really happened yet, though, neither, except for within our company. You're, you're back, great getting to know you here. Your background seems to be accounting, but you seem to be more of a visionary. Is that mm-hmm. is there anything that kind of crosses each other or? You know, because you obviously have the logical mindset of an accountant, yeah. but the visionary side, which is the risk taker, do the do you ever have like any conflict with those two mindsets as you go through your day? Yeah. So <clears throat> accounting for me, because again, I, I started in the mail department and I had visions of uh growth progressive. And literally I started in the mail department of that bank and I wanted to be a vice president. And so I anchored that vision, and how am I going to get there? And so ultimately, for me, education was part of it. So again, in accounting, you know, uh, again, we don't spend a lot of time in accounting, but really understanding it, the numbers, and I'm a numbers guy, so it actually kind of flowed pretty good. And so that, again, allowed me a foundation. And so when I'm entrepreneuring, I can crunch the numbers, and I can have that dialogue and test it, and we double test it, we I get it. It's a nice language to understand uh, in the translation from from a vision to, okay, what about what's it going to hit in the ground? Where are the measurements? Where's the metrics? Are we on track? What are we doing here? Where do we pull out? Where do we add the juice? Stuff like that. So so it's good to understand the language that this uh, pathway, it's kind of just showing us mapping. Right. And so you obviously have accountants in your company or are you doing it all yourself? Because the reason I ask this is that most entrepreneurs that I've talked to aren't really numbers people. They're more like, I yeah. want to work on my widget. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, my uh, co-founder is Jesse. And so he had taken on the responsibilities of the accounting side. So I okay. it was great. Since then, we've actually recently hired up a controller within. We had an external controller bank uh, pardon me, bookkeeping department we used to work with, but we've now bringing that in-house because of our growth and things like that. But yeah, so I never needed to do all that. And, and you know, and you're right. And I actually don't like to do that. Right. And you plan on staying in Vancouver, continue to run the business in, in Vancouver, or do you see yourself spending more time throughout the country? In so um, we're actually out in uh, Ontario in April. Um, we're looking at these acquisitions, so we'll be visiting Ottawa and things like that. So, but home is Vancouver for me. I love Vancouver. I love its climate. I love the mountains. I love the ocean. So I foresee always having a home here. Uh, if there's anything, I would also like a home south where the uh, climate's a little bit more friendly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's it. But in, in this country, this is, this is where home is. With regards to traveling across this country, I have no issues and welcome it. So again, when we were traveling early in 2019, 2020, 2021, trying to find sites, we'd, we'd fly to Saskatoon and we would drive a thousand kilometers over the next two or three days trying to find sites and things like that. And so again, and uh, 
So, uh, you know, as a country, Saskatchewan, fantastic people. I'm so happy I got to experience that. Uh, but Vancouver is my home. Okay. As the world kind of opened up to cannabis and so forth, you, you, you see Europe, the United States opening up. Do you feel any need to dabble into those markets at all, to look at expanding in those markets at all? Or is it just too difficult? Forget it. We're, we're good here in Canada. Is that something yeah. you might want to look at? Yeah, no. So we actually uh, went to uh, MJ Biz. It's a large conference, maybe 50,000 people. It was in Vegas in November. So we did that as sort of that beachhead type of, okay, good. Let's go take a look what's going on to the U.S. Um, the U.S., there's 20 states approximately, 21, that have legalized it. The feds have not. 30 more to go. The opportunity uh, for us, if we're positioned well, which we believe we are, uh, it's great opportunity. It's 10x. So we think we will be into the U.S. in 2024. We think we'll have 30, 35 stores by the end of this year. And in 2024, enough of uh, that much more from a financial side, that much more from a from a platform side, that much more from experience side, that much more infrastructure built with our head office that we can start now really getting into the U.S. So, so we're uh, I'm very bullish on getting into the U.S., but not prematurely. And then the one thing we're going to need to watch out for, <clears throat> pardon me, is the culture is very different. Mm -hmm. America is very different than Canada. And so sometimes I might have these great aspirations, but I might get e eaten up too. So, so we have great uh, aspirations to get into the U.S. with some uh, caution. And the competition, I imagine, is a little bit more fierce as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to wrap things up here. How can our listeners get hold of you? And is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Um, well, they can email me. And my email is Serge at inspiredcannabis.ca, and that's S-E-R-G-E, at inspiredcannabis.ca. With regards to um, leave you with, again, like for me, through my life, it's always been about a vision, and it's about anchoring myself to that vision. And again, when I was in that mail department, again, I came out of the East Van side, a little rough around the edges, and it was not a straight line. And there were bankers that I'd run across through that career progression, saying that you're not going to cut it, you're not going to make it. And so sometimes my behavior wasn't consistent with that. It wasn't a straight line, but my vision was anchored and I brought myself back on course. So so that's something I'd say, ideally, you have your vision, you anchor it, you can go off course, bring yourself back to course. Is that still your vision? Then stay on point. So and that's a stay on point. And the other is, it's really that tenacity side. Um, it's an easy, you know, again, there, it has not been an easy road. Uh, last May, we got profitable. So for two and a half years, we were not profitable. And there's a lot of pressure on you. And so the tenacity piece, um, you know, you need to stay on point. You need to continue making the right decisions, the right execution, and the results will follow. So stay on point. Excellent. Okay, Serge, thanks for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. And we'll Robert, see you next time. Robert, thanks very much for the time. Okay, I appreciate the opportunity.